welcome to Podcasting the Parables, a year-long project of St. James Episcopal Church. St. James is a vibrant faith community in the Lake Highlands area of Dallas, Texas. My name is Jonathan Melton, joined by Jared Ferris, and we are glad that you are here. Hey friends, welcome to the podcast. This is episode two in which Jared and I, with our friend and guest, Clint Pahachek, look at the parable of the widow and the unjust judge. You changed the name. What's that? Uh, normally it's the, the, the persistent widow, right? Yeah, I'm just looking up what, what we have on the computer here for okay. yeah, persistent widow. But it's important. I mean, it's the persistence. I'm glad you brought it up. It's important because if she's patient, that's right. our word for the month. Right. And she doesn't give up. And it's not a passive patience. It's an active patience that looks a lot like persistence. Right. And so we get to explore a lot of things. Um, I'm excited for this. Yeah. I Episode two. Thank you. Clint is here. Clint yes. is, is going to bring a wealth of knowledge and, <laughs> and information and is always a joy to talk with um, about things theological and otherwise. And so, Clint, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, we're, we're looking forward to the conversation. We um, were talking before coming on just a minute ago. There's a story that as we embark, continue this journey, the, uh, the year of parables and exploring um, the scriptures, the stories Jesus told to confuse, confound, grow that imagination. Uh, I was remembering a story from divinity school, preaching class, preaching 101. I had dreaded this class for years, like ever since I had discerned that the priesthood might be uh, a, a part of my calling. Um, and our preceptor was a very wonderful Orthodox priest, our small group leader. And he gave us our first assignment, all of us nerdy seminarians sitting there in a circle in a cold, mostly barren room with a small little music stand as a preaching pulpit at the center. And, uh, and he said, I've got your first homework assignment. I want you all by next time to, to prepare some eight minutes. In eight minutes, tell the story of Jonah and the whale. Nineveh, the big fish, all that good stuff. And we're like, that's awesome. We're nervous, we're eager, we're anxious. And so we jump in, we read every commentary, study the heck out of it, find all kinds of uh, early church insights. We find all kinds of social justice connections. We get up and one at a time, eight minutes at a time, preach the heck out of this. We, ex we have like altar calls and exhortations. And, and after two days of all of this yammering from us, he kind of takes a big sigh and he comes in the room, he says... I should fail every one of you. And we said, what the hell? We're allowed to do that, right, on this podcast? You're the rector. Yeah. <laughs> we said, what the hell? We did a good, we preached great sermons. He said, you did preach great sermons. That's why I'm tempted to fail you. I didn't ask you to preach sermons. I asked you to tell the story. And what I need you to see and what I need you to remember is that your preaching will never be greater than your trust in the story you've been given to tell. And we're like, damn, that hurts. 
But it's true. Right. It's absolutely true, whether we look at it a parable at a time or as we consider the, the whole scriptures, Clint, you led us in a, a masterful, overarching uh, presentation of the, the scripture as one narrative uh, in 20 minutes at confirmation class the other day. Um, we don't need to protect God. We don't need to protect Jesus. We, do, we just have this story to tell at the basis. And that's my joy in the podcast is like to tell the story, share the story together with friends is kind of one of the underrated best parts of belonging to the community of faith. Right. If we take that literally, though, that instruction, today's podcast is going to be much shorter. I mean, the story yeah, is eight yeah, yeah. verses, right? <laughs> but hopefully hopefully not, not preaching it means we, there's space for wonder, there's space for questions, right. imagine and enter into. We get to wear it rather than master it. Oh, Another short story. Okay. Possibly apocryphal. Possibly. I don't know. I've tried to find it. I can't find it. I might have made it up in a dream, but I don't think so. Uh, Billy Graham, touring Europe on one of his great crusades, finds out that he's near the home of Karl Barth, the great theologian of the 21st century. Karl Barth, um, brilliant no words adequate to describe his contributions to the Christian faith here in the few minutes we have, but he's on his deathbed um, in Basel. And, and Billy Graham visits him, and in their conversation, just the short minutes they have, Carl uh, Barth says to Billy Graham, I listened on the radio to your preaching last night in the nearby town, and you really mastered the text. You really, really mastered the text. And he said, thank you. I'm, I'm like humbled. Um, coming from the great Karl Barth, I don't have any words. And Karl Barth says, no, you misunderstand. I would have rather prayed that you would have had the courage to let the text master you. Mm. Karl Barth pulling no punches from his deathbed. <laughs> right. Like, Going dang. For the jugular. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's what we do, right? We're, we're not trying to master this thing. We're trying to be mastered by it. We're right. trying to submit ourselves, lift up our hearts, and, and let it leave marks. Right. Yeah. Exploring, not explaining. Yes, absolutely. So thank you all for joining the exploration today. Um, Clint, would you be so kind as to read for us, if you're following at home, this is Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, The Persistent Widow. And, the unjust. Uh, What's that? Whatever your title is fine. And, and the unjust judge, and uh, we're using. Uh, you can follow in any translation you want. We're using the NRSV updated edition. Sure. So, uh, <clears throat> Luke eighteen one through eight. Uh, then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said. In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him saying, Grant me justice against my accuser. For a while, he refused. But later, he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? 
the word of the Lord. Thank you, Clint. Would I, so before we get into any of the really numerous things, rabbit holes we could fall into, questions, what, anything jump out at either of you, Clint, in, in the reading of it? Um, what, what especially jumped out at you just now? Yeah, I, th- I think it's um, it's a vivid image, right? It's got a a, uh, a big energy of talking to the cable company, right? <laughs> or, yeah. You know, like I, I uh, work... Um, for the state government. And so like, I'm very familiar with the unhelpful civil servant and, and probably some people would say that I've been that person occasionally. <laughs> um, but like, we know this guy, right? We know that, um, you know, you have to, like I'm reminded of, of some of the news stories you hear about widows uh, trying to cancel uh, a, a electrical service or, or cell phone service and yeah. having to take their ashes to the, the her uh, their husband's ashes to the office to say no he's dead you have to cancel this <laughs> right it's that that same um, kind of thing and so to see that in a comparison to God kind of um, gives you pause right because you don't think of God in in those terms um, and so, yeah, I think it's um, kind, kind of the vibe of, like, how much more will your father give good things, right? If, if you right. know the most miserable person will finally give up, kind of, kind of that sense. Mm-hmm. If, if, God is, if God is the um, delinquent civil servant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's that, uh, you know, if you're, if you're willing to be that persistent with someone that is miserable how much more persistent should you be with a God who's moved heaven and earth to be with you, right? Amen. Amen. So an interesting conversation, and Jared, I, I want to get your take on this first and then throw it to, to Clint. So I grew up in mixed circles, Episcopal, then went to Wheaton College, Evangelical, got to... One of the, the phrases that was used a lot is, you know, like, if one door closes, another door opens. And so basically, relax. If it's not going your way, loosen the grip, turn around. Maybe there's a gift behind you instead. And there's a lot of truth in there. There's, I don't want to like discount that as wisdom, but this gospel is kind of like the opposite. Right. Maybe, uh, what do you make of that? How come, how come we don't, uh, giving advice to college students looking for a job or something, how come we don't say more of just keep knocking? Well, in that, when one door open, closes, another one opens, there is that persistence built in there in a way that um, don't be so dejected by a rejection that you give up entirely. Right. And so there's some of that. Um, but but I do wonder if, if that isn't something that's nat- something that's not naturally built in, which may be one of the reasons that Jesus thought important enough to to tell this story with a very self-aware, um, unjust servant saying, though I do not fear, fear God or care for people, um, which is a funny thing. Um, perhaps it's, it's something that doesn't come naturally and, and that we need to be reminded of um, throughout our lives. Yeah, because you don't want to be a bother, right? Like, I, I remember, you know, when I was a teenager praying to God... Um, you know, for a variety of things, but most of them for forgiveness, right? Because mm. I was a teenager. <laughs> and 
feeling like I, you know, I, I feel ridiculous praying for forgiveness for the same sin that I prayed for yesterday and, and uh, that I prayed for for months, you know, mm-hmm. that I, I feel like, you know, you feel like um, God is looking at you and saying, well, you know, I, I keep forgiving this. Why aren't you getting better? And <laughs> that's, that's not at all how, how God operates. And, and, you know, that's um, kind of ridiculous to think that, that an infinite being that has, has seen, you know, Solomon says nothing new under the sun. He's heard that prayer countless times and he's not going to tire of it because you, you can't tire out God. That's right inexhaustible inexhaustible and as you're talking about that and especially sort of against the backdrop of our own foibles and failings and and I'm just struck really struck by like God's persistence and that I forget the artist you know the if you think of the artist or you know the artist uh, feel free to jump in and let me know but like Jesus holding the um the lamp, the lantern, wandering through the woods at the door of a cottage that has no handle. It can only be opened by the inside. And so this persistence that God invites us to, Jesus invites us to through this parable, um, is nothing if not sort of a, an imitation or an echo of this, this um, patience, remarkable abiding patience that we see from God where... Uh, in, in your example, Clint, like confessing our sins, like week after week, the prayer book is presumptuous enough to say, yep, we know where you've been. Like, here, let's do this again. Um, who, whose patience or whose persistence is that? Is that God's persistence or is that ours? And, and every, every time there's like, there's our Savior like knocking at the door of our heart and inviting us to open again. Well, and that kind of places... We were talking in the last episode about the characters within the story and who is where, and and that that puts Jesus in the position of the widow, right? To to be that persistent presence that is always there on on your behalf, even. Yeah, the persistent widow, Jesus, knocking, interceding, right? That that uh, mediator, so that we we pray through Christ and in Him have. Have, have knowledge of our access to the, the love of God. Where, where do you see the church practicing persistence well? Hmm. Or patience well? That pause that's happening now is probably not a sign of a good thing. Well, and so, so the, the other, another related question is, what is an enemy of patience? I think, for me, the, the greatest enemy of patience is that need for control, that need to feel mm. like um, I'm, I'm making something happen here, right? That, that I'm making the result happen that I want to see happen. And it's very hard. Um, and I think it's, it's appropriate that, you know, in this parable, patience is connected so much to prayer because when 
when you're in a situation where the, you really do just have to wait, it's so hard to uh, not chew your mental cud and just, um, you know, really gnaw on the thing that, that you want or the thing that you're afraid of happening or, or, you know, complications that could happen, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's my son Hank at dinner last night when, as soon as Andy gets home, Hank says, mama, can I have an ice cream? And she said, absolutely. When we all finish dinner, we can have ice cream. That for him, I've never seen him eat quicker last than he did last <laughs> night for one. So I don't know that patience played a whole lot into it. But that gratification of something that I know is good, that on the other side of this, whatever this is, I know that there's something good that's there. And, um, and it makes it even more difficult to, to sit within that patience, to, to, to recognize God at work um, through whatever it is that is the now and to be present to that. Um, what kind of ice cream was it? It was not great, not my favorite, but it was a, you know, an ice cream bar with a chocolate coating, vanilla on the inside. So worth the wait? For him, I suppose so. Um, it's my freezer. I can get ice cream. Uh, I'll join with him in his waiting though. That, uh, that your, your ice cream story, I mean, kind of recalls for me like the the cry question of the psalmist how long oh lord right right and like thinking of um the the church at work in the world and the, through the centuries those times that uh, that voice has someone in the church has cried on behalf of the the rest of the church sometimes the world how long oh lord i think of like the civil rights movement dr king in the 1960s um and i think of like that that blend of patience and persistence because right. they're the same thing, right? It's not just like, I'm going to wait. I'm not, I'm not going to wait till dinner is over. I actually have to eat. Like right. there's, there's, there's this balance of contemplation and action at work. Like John Lewis at the Nashville, um, diner sit-ins, um, where they, they were a part of desegregation and, uh, and they practiced they, this is, this is so remarkable to me. Like they practiced, the, it, with a commitment to nonviolence at the heart of the movement, they practiced being abused and hit and spit upon and all of those things because they knew that they wouldn't be able to be nonviolent if they hadn't practiced. Right. Mm. Because human nature is just like, I'm going to get up and slug you <laughs> yeah. for the way that they anticipated being treated. And, and that, that, uh, that church being like, oh my goodness, like so unbelievably patient so unbelievably patient for the hope of that better thing that they knew they were very unlikely in their lifetime, lifetimes to see, kind of like Moses looking over the river to the promised land. But so that's planning, planning uh, what, what, I forget which, um, which people's proverb this is, but something like wisdom comes from the person who has learned to plant trees uh, whose shade they won't live to enjoy. Yeah, And... And that's patience. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm humbled by that kind of patience, and um, and feel my own. Some, sometimes it's that desire for control. Sometimes it's that just the anxiety. Like, what do I do if I'm not if I'm not able to see results? Like, um, we live in a world where it's kind of like, show me the stuff. Like, 
Let, let's let's see results. And I like to get things done. Right. I like to. I don't like living in the in between state. Right. Tom Petty may have been onto something when he was saying that the waiting is the hardest part. Um, but you're you're missing a part of that beauty with that mindset. You're missing a part of 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 the work. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's it's hard, but. You know, when you're able to do it, that does it. It brings real peace if if you can learn how to wait. And I say that you know, I I can think of the few times that I've actually <laughs> wait, waited with with some patience uh, on God. Uh, it's something that that requires a lot more practice. But um, and it's tricky, right? Like it is. I I remember. Uh, Back years ago in CPE, my supervisor said, Jonathan, you're a really patient person. And I said, I appreciate you thinking so. Um, <laughs> I said, what I've learned about patience is that it gets things done faster than impatience. Um, because if I'm, if I'm a jerk but to someone, I'm not going to be able to move the conversation forward towards a fruitful thing. I said, so what I'm trying to tell you, supervisor, is that my patience is dishonest because it's driven by, it, it's not a true surrender. Right, and I think that true surrender is is very much at the heart of what Lent is trying to invite us right, to. Right? right. How do you practice surrender? I think it's okay to go through the motions until you get it right, or until you get to that place, right? Because, like, one of the things that Lent does is it it invites us. And it invites us over a period of time. So you can go and, um, you know, tr- you, you know that you're supposed to pray. And that's one of the things that I think persistent prayer helps with is if you're taking things to God, even in just a nominal way, because you know you're supposed to, and you keep doing that, eventually that has a better chance of actually becoming true for you because you're practicing that posture right of of saying you know whether or not i feel like it i know i should be taking this to god right and eventually you'll find that you actually are laying that at the feet of god but sometimes it takes repetition because we're bad at it well and that's the beauty of kind of the the liturgy that we have the 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 creed especially you know whenever i um first came to a liturgical church 2009 my background was not anything and uh, I would go and sit with Father Gardner the rector here at St. James at the time and say okay we stand every week and we say these things and I don't know like in theory yes I believe but there are some things in there that, that we said that I don't understand and I don't know that I can stand and say them and he said well it's not about you, right? This isn't, <laughs> this isn't your personal confession of the faith. This is you standing with, with the congregation here and across the world and across time and saying that these are the things that, we, we, that have been established as truth and that we can, we can lay our foundation on. And to stand and to say that we believe is not your personal... Um, signing off it's not a checklist that you sign off on it's it's a reminder of the things that have been established and if you can't if if there's something that's truly against 
your belief, listen to other people say it. Wonder yeah. why, what is it about it? Continue to wrestle with it. And it was a beautiful invitation into, and a, re- a reminder of other people in other conversations, that the purpose of that is to be reminded of the community and not a checklist of things that you have to sign off on before you can be a part of that community. Hmm. I like that. I, I've always thought of the creed. I have great respect for the creed. Please don't mishear uh, internet world. Uh, but it sometimes in the liturgy it does feel like the tax title and license fine print. Right. Because we haven't found really beautiful ways to sing it. I think that would help. I'm not talking about St. James. I mean like the larger church. It's just not one of the parts. But like find ways to enjoy it. You can you can enjoy the prayers of the people. You can enjoy But this this other just like... But I love your reminder, Jared, that it's less this checklist, less tax title and license, and more of a direction that the community of faith is oriented toward, right. a North Star, and it's an acknowledgement of what is, right. um, as far as that orientation goes. I also think in that, in that repetition, um, there, there's that efficacy that we don't see, the, the small steps adding up over time with respect to faith in God and also with the love to which we're called to share with one another. I remember, Clint, your story was making me think of this. There was a, a dear friend of mine uh, down at the Gulf Coast when we lived outside of Corpus Christi. He came to me one day. Um, we were talking, uh, and she told me about a conversation she had shared with a spiritual director years before. And the spiritual director had said, um, you know, it's, it's really clear. She was having a, an issue with someone in her life who was a frustration, a thorn in the flesh kind of thing. And, and uh, he said, or the, the spiritual director said, you should start your day out every morning and pray God's blessing on that person. And she said, uh, God ain't no fool. <laughs> like, and he said, what do you mean? Well, God's going to know I don't mean it. He said, then say that. Say, Lord, even though you know I don't mean it, I wish your blessing on this person today. And she did that, she said, every day for three months until one day without thinking she forgot to say, Lord, you know I don't mean it. <laughs> and she did. She discovered that she did. Fake it till you make it, maybe. Right. Well, practice it. Practice, yes. Right? You're not good at something until you've done it a bunch, right? I mean, this is, like anything else, is, is um, you have to give yourself grace not to be perfect the very first time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's huge. Well, and that's the story that you've told about the guitar when we've had those conversations about your friend that gave you the advice to find a song that you want to sing and learn it. He's, yeah, th- when, I, when I, I was telling Jared about this time, my brother's a professional musician. That's the backdrop, so I'm very intimidated musically. I don't feel like I measure up. And so I'd been postponing, attempting to learn the guitar for a lot of years. And then my good friend Bryce uh, said, you need two things to, to be willing to learn the guitar. A song you want to play. And I mean, that's, to me, I just hear the, like, the life of faith all over that. Like, with right. our lives, we get up. If you have a song you want to play, that deep why, the rest of life becomes much simpler. Uh, he said, because you'll worry about theory later. Right now, you want to you play this song. And I don't even remember what, what my first song was. But now, for Come years, As You Are by Nirvana? It was not. Oh, okay. It was not. <laughs> I mean, it was probably like Willie Nelson's On the Road Again. Yeah. Um, which my kids would probably be fine dying not hearing me sing to them one, uh, for the rest of their lives. But uh, the other thing he said is you have to be willing to play a chord badly. Because... 
the next time you play it, you'll play it a little less badly. Right. And before you know it, that transition from one chord to another that you worked so hard on and it felt like you were doing it in slow motion will come like second nature. He said, and you won't even notice the first time that it does. He says, you'll just play it and you'll say, how did that happen? Right. Which speaks to, to your earlier point, Jared, the, the importance of repetition, habits. Um, what, so, so I'm curious, habits of persistence and patience in the church showing up, I think, is, is, a, is a habit of persistence and patience. Uh, finding ways outside of the walls of our church to be present to our neighbors, to get to practice that uh, with each other. Um, I think it was Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove or maybe, maybe Shane Claiborne. They suggested as a practice of patience and that kind of surrender to take a, take a Bible study class from someone you know doesn't know as much as you. And I found that like one of, almost like a, one of Jesus' parables by itself. Like it was a very loaded invitation, right? How do I know, how do I know that that person doesn't know as much as me? Um, I'm very mindful that this, uh, this parable is followed by the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Thank God I'm not right. like that person. Yeah. So, I'm, so, so it's, it's an invitation that kind of pokes at our humility, um, but, but a great way to surrender that control like, okay, I'm just listening to another person here. I'm not, I'm not the one in the driver's seat. I'm not, uh, Carol Doggett was talking at our Bible study at the same table on Wednesday about uh, entering into situations where it's clear to me, my, my illusion that I am the boss of a thing has been removed. Hmm. And, and now I can be open to what God would show me. Well, and, and speaking of what comes after, I mean, that's a lot of the point of the stories that follow this one, right? It's the, the uh, Pharisee and the tax collector praying and the Pharisee feeling like it even says, uh, I think in, in uh, the very next verse that Jesus told this parable for people who thought that their uh, righteousness was so great that, yeah. that they didn't need um, what he was offering. And then you know, there's the the rich man that comes and asks Jesus, "What else do I need to do? I followed all the commandments," and and then there's the letting the children come to him. All all of that is there's an element in all of that of acknowledging that you don't have it all together and you do need God in a really real way and need other folks in Absolutely. a really real way. And I think that's part of patience too is acknowledging acknowledging our need. And also being willing to acknowledge that that's not a bad thing. That's what we're, we're designed for. We're designed to need. We just need to go to the right place with that need. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's so beautifully put. And it, I think the, the way this country is sort of wired, it sort of lays out life goal, and I'm thinking of like uh, commencement speeches and all this, the rest, the idea that it's possible to win your life. And instead, we're given this mission of reconciliation. And there is an element of being reconciled within yourself. We all have inner conflict. But like beyond that, reconciliation is a dance that takes others. So to, to kind of put down one project and say, ah, I see. I'm being asked to switch projects. And so now the patience in part uh, comes in because we're trying to do this thing together. We're trying to be a part of one people together. 
and you can't be a people by yourself. <laughs> what, do, what do y'all make of this? How are we on time, Jared? We're good. We're good? All right. <laughs> then, then let me throw a giant curveball, one of those Nolan Ryan knee-buckling curveballs. You like the baseball shout-out? There's, there's a little eight days. What? Eight days. Eight days? Till, until opening day. Oh, until opening day. <laughs> uh, I thought you were saying the return of Nolan Ryan, for which we've been anxiously awaiting. <laughs> No, he's busy with the snow monkeys. Never mind. I'm sorry. That's a that's a. What's your curveball? My my. Well, so just just this. What what does Jesus mean when he asks at the end? He throws that question on. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Like that. That's the question. Every time I read this parable, I'm like, I'm tracking Jesus. I'm tracking. I'm tracking. And I was like, maybe I misread something, or maybe this has multiple angles that I need to keep turning it. To, to see, because, uh, all right, so knocking, 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 and yet when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Because it, right before that, and will not God grant justice to his chosen ones? So, okay, God, on, on our most honest days, God might feel like a, a deadbeat civil servant, <laughs> but God's still going to grant justice. Will he delay long in helping them? No, implied. I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Is that, is that switching the roles? Is that where the role switch happens, where Jesus is standing there at the door of the heart knocking? Or how do you read that, Glenn? I read that, so, so talking again about the context right before, he talks about the kingdom of God. And right before that, he talks about the faith of a mustard seed, right? Yeah. Uh, where the, the disciples say, uh, increase our faith. And he says, if you have the faith of, faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Um, and I read that as, you know, when you have patience, that requires trust. And whoever, you know, if I'm waiting on a supervisor to get something done so that I can do the next thing, I have to trust that they're actually doing what I need them to do. Sure. Right? Uh, otherwise, I'm going to pester them about it constantly. Um, and, you know, with God, we are asked to wait a lot. Like, we're waiting on Jesus to come back. We're uh, waiting on the church to be what we all hope that that it'll become, the, the thing that it's supposed to be, right? Um, we, a, a lot of us are waiting on justice, uh, in a, in a social way. And so it can feel like, uh, we're waiting too long, right? We look at this and say, well, Jesus said quickly, why isn't it happening? And God has proven himself to us. He's proven himself all throughout history and in, in our own lives to be faithful. We know that quickly doesn't always mean in, in human terms, right? And so I, th- I think that may be Jesus looking a little bit for that faith of a mustard seed of just like, hey, just remember who God is and what he's done. And remember that he is faithful to save. Right? There's a, my, my absolute favorite collection of verses about prayer is uh, Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, where uh, he closes out his prayer prophecy of doom and gloom uh, for Israel uh, with this really beautiful thought of though the um, 
uh, fig tree has no fruit on it, though the fields are barren, though all the cattle die, though everything I'm asking for in my prayers doesn't come to pass, yet will I trust in the God of my salvation because mm. he'll lift me up. And he, it's this beautiful expression of, you know, we can ask for things and we can and continue to ask for things and ask for good things. Um, and if they don't happen, we can still trust that in the end, God is going to give us justice because he always has in the past and we know who he is yeah. and he's good and he has our good in mind. I love that. And it makes me think of one of my favorite uh, couple verses from the Bible in Second Peter chapter 3. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And right before that, beloved, do not let this one thing escape your notice with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. He's not slow in keeping his promises, some suppose, but is patient. So our patience, we're, we're asked to wait, but God is waiting too. So we're waiting together to make room for everyone, which makes me think of a really short story. Uh, I promise it's, it's kind of short, uh, <laughs> kind of short. Henri de Lubac, uh, fabulous uh, French Catholic, theologian and priest back back in the day um, read the church fathers and mothers and he found this picture there of like in the the kingdom of God is like a banquet that's one of the parables that we'll end up visiting at some point and uh, all the departed all the saints who've come before us are already there at the banquet the table but they're only eating appetizers why because they're waiting they're waiting for us yeah. because they know it's impolite to start a meal until everyone's seated at the table. And, and that longing, that prayer is one we share. It's the, like one of the reasons we go out into this world, not because we have the answer for everyone else, but because we're trying to get, trying to get the, the party started. That's such a remarkable thing. Like, it's not just that our, our, we're patient because God is slow, or we're patient because God is slow, but God's patience is for the salvation of the world. And so when I am invited into patience, I can know that I'm entering into something sacred and holy, which maybe makes it a little easier. Yeah, and I, I think, too, it tells us that God is, is concerned with our priorities, right? He wants us to bring... You're persistent about something that's important to you, right? In the story, yeah. the widow has an adversary or, you know, someone who's trying to get the estate, probably something like that. And so she's not going to let it go because she can't. You know, that's really important to uh, her life going forward. And the same is true here. Like what we're persistent about talk, says something about what's important to us. Yeah. And so if we're persistent with God, we're sharing with him what our priorities are and we're opening ourselves up to um, him showing us something about those priorities, right? Either what um, he has in store for us, something that we've asked for that he's going to answer yes to or something else that, that he wants us to learn out of that. Um, but by being persistent with, with God, we're uh, 
inviting him into those priorities and and sharing those with him and having a real relationship because I mean that's what we're supposed to do, right? Well, and there there is in there also the promise of justice. That's a reminder of that that the the patience, though it may seem long, is not the end, right? You won't be left in the waiting. Um, but, you know, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Um, the promise of God is still true, even in, in your patience. To show up and be patient. <laughs> Just as a reminder, next, uh, or this month, this month is still March? Still We're March. S- still March for a week. We are collecting your photos of patients. Right. Which is not as sexy, maybe, as the photos of joy. Y'all were awesome at photos of joy because, let's face it, joy is more fun to photograph. Uh, Patience is not as fun to photograph. But I was moved to tears by the first submission we got, which was uh, one of you at the bedside of of an elderly woman who appeared to be dying in a hospital, um, painting her fingernails. Yeah. Mm. That's patience. to, to walk alongside those who are struggling with Alzheimer's, dementia, um, to go into, to show up week in and week out, Austin Street Center, not because you can change anything, but because you're going to stand in the place where someone in the family of faith is crying out, how long, O oh Lord? And you're going to stand with them and knock on that door. Yeah. That's patience. Patience and patience and patience. And, and I love... Your reminder, Clint, that like the direction of our persistence matters and the priority um, and being open to like letting God direct those sometimes, speak into those. I'm reading a book that we're going to be reading it in a couple of weeks as staff on priorities. And uh, a really interesting thing I just learned like the other day in this book was that up until the 1900s, there was no plural form of priority, mm. the word priority. Interesting. Because priority, what does it mean? It means first thing. Yeah. And <laughs> it took an indus- the hubris of the Industrial Revolution <laughs> to say, we can have more than one first thing. We can have lots of first things. Right. That's, uh, and I, as, as I'm reflecting on that, saying that now, I'm like, maybe, maybe that's what Jesus is on to by the, by the question at the end. But like, God's not failing God's promise. But when God does all these things, are you still going to be there? Or are you going to have like gone home and gone to sleep? Yeah. Um, are, are, are you going to even remember that you one time had that priority? I'm not talking necessarily individually, but like as the people of God, are we going to remember that that was, was a, a burning part of our life together on our hearts? Um, or are we going to have forgotten? And I think one of the, the habits, the repetition coming together each week for worship, submitting ourselves to that word that we pray masters us and all the rest, partaking of the, the bread and wine, the Holy Communion, is to be reordered, to be reprioritized. And, and to, um, to the, the post-communion prayer we say every time after communion, our kind of thank you to God, we, we pray that we can go from that place with a kind of singleness of heart, to have that that priority be the priority and to um, subordinate all the others. That's, that's a really, a really fine reminder for us to be given through this parable for the home stretch of Lent. Well, we are going to put a bow on our podcast today.
Yeah. But we're going to have a bonus episode coming up soon. Can you tell us about it, Jared? Yeah, we've got um, a listener reached out and, and shared her favorite parable, and we thought that it would fit really well, right, with, with the season that we're in um, and leading up to Easter. Um, so Gail Goodman Lynch will be here with us, and I'm I'm forgetting the parable. <laughs> so the parable is one of my very favorites, it, and it's the Easter Vigil parable. I, like I, I literally, I don't preach a sermon for the Easter Vigil. I only preach this sermon from John Chrysostom where he looks at this parable that Gail Goodman Lynch wants to talk about with us. I'm so excited. And that parable is the vineyard owner who hires people at different times of the day and then at the end decides to pay them all the same and the people in line are outraged. And then, and then the vineyard owner gives this beautiful question in response to their outrage. Are you envious because I am generous? Yeah. Most days I would have to say like, yep, probably. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Why is my check not bigger? Uh, not here. I, in life, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Jared just shot me some eyes. <laughs> I am more than fairly compensated for my efforts. So that's not what I'm talking about. But, but that just the like, wait a minute. Uh, and, and he goes down through the, in this sermon, goes through the whole season of Lent. Like, you who have kept the fast, come and enjoy the party. You who forgot to keep the fast, come and enjoy the party. You who didn't even know there was a fast to keep, come and enjoy the party. You yeah. who just like walked by right now and for lack of better things to do, come and enjoy the party. Um, that's that's a, a different kind of patience and right. may, maybe the seed of uh, the, the patience we are given when God invites us to love one another. So Gail will be with us to talk about that. Yes. Meanwhile, send us your pictures of patience. Thank you for what I hope has been more than just your patience listening today, but we, right. we appreciate you every time, and we really appreciate your being with us, Clint. Uh, thank you for coming alongside and sharing this story with us. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Until next time, friends. We'll see you. Peace. Podcasting the Parables is a ministry of St. James Episcopal Church in the Lake Highlands neighborhood of Dallas, Texas, produced by Jared Ferris with music arranged and produced by Matthew Melton. I'm Jonathan Melton, priest and rector of St. James Episcopal Church and School, and we will see you again next time.